Episode 22 of the Online Chicken School Podcast. Today we're discussing whether it's cruel to send baby chicks through the mail. It's time for the Online Chicken School Podcast. Whether you've been keeping chickens for years or you're just fixing to get started, we'll help you get your schooling. And now, here's the chicken tenders, Don and Susie. Hi, I'm Don, the big chicken tender. And I'm Susie, the little chicken tender. If you're interested in backyard chickens, you're in the right place. Doesn't matter if you have a whole lot of chickens out in the country or just a few somewhere in the city, this is where we share our knowledge, experience, and opinions to help you get the most out of your backyard flock. Okay, so let's take a look at an email we got from Justin in Queens, New York. Hello, Justin. Justin writes, hi, I'm new to the whole chicken thing. I'd like to learn more about what to do with chicken manure. Wow. How to and what's the best thing to do with it? My backyard is a slab of concrete. In the city, we are so close, I don't think I can just start a pile of chicken poop without my neighbors noticing and calling the DEP. Do you have any suggestions? And is it really worth all the effort? (sighs) That's part one. (laughs) Part two. I have two Australorp chickens I found running around my neighborhood. Interesting. And they are doing awesome laying eggs every day. They don't have any mucus discharge, but there is one that sounds like she coughs, but only when nervous or drinking water. That happens to me all the time. I know it does. I am also raising seven chicks. My lot is 25 by 50, and I have built two coops that are 9 by 3 each with four nesting boxes. They sit on raised planters that are filled with dirt. The chicks are only two weeks old, so they're in my house. Is this a lot of chickens? (laughs) The two big girls are outside, and they love it. Well, Justin, I love your email because it brings up a lot of great issues. Well, my first question is, how do you raise chickens in New York City? I mean, I went there for a week with my mom last year. I didn't see much room for chickens, and I didn't see any running down the street. Well, it's well, it's not like he's raising them in Trump Tower. Well, yeah, that's true. That would be entertaining, though. I'm trying to imagine like an episode of The Apprentice. Uh huh. And you know, you have Donald Trump standing there, and then he collects all of the contestants. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just trying to picture him there going. This week, we're standing at the Trump Tower, the largest, most expensive, most elaborate tower ever built by man in history. And meanwhile, there's like a rooster crowing in the background. <laughs> I think it would be even better. You know that song they always play, like when he comes down the escalator because he's oh, like yeah, a, a the, king or something yeah. like that, you know? Could you see him like walking around with a chicken under his arm or something as he comes down to that majestic music? I think it'd be hilarious. Like, hey, I found this walking around the hallway. Could somebody do something with it? <laughs> well, I grew up in Syracuse, New York, and that is not the same thing as New York City. No. I've actually never been to New York City, believe it or not, except for connecting flights from here to there. So even though I grew up in Syracuse for 26 years, you've been to New York City for a week. I haven't. But all I know about New York City is what I see on TV. So I am well educated in this area. Right. I mean, we watched Friends in Seinfeld. But uh, I don't see them raising chickens. I mean, what, they, what would they put it, like on their balcony? Yeah, but they lived in apartments. Not all of New York City is apartments. That's true. Justin lives in queens so a better show equivalent would be king of queens one of our favorites and king of queens again another super accurate documentary absolutely they had a little backyard Mm -hmm. it's quaint yeah and believe it or not new york city actually has pretty easygoing chicken laws for the most part not so much with the soda 
but you can have chickens. Yeah, you can have a big soda, <laughs> but you can have a flock of chickens. And apparently it's not that unusual. There's a lot of people in New York City raising chickens. All right. So, Justin, getting back to your first of many questions about aging chicken manure, um, you can either just make a pile and let it sit for about, oh, a year or you can compost it for about three months. Um, given you don't have a great deal of space to work with, and you said your neighbors are kind of close, they may complain. I would get a compost barrel or a bin, age it that way. We've got one in our backyard. There's certain layering you have to do. It's a process to it do. Is. Uh, so you may want to research online how to get all that material in the right order and the right amount. Well, and the question, the overall question, I think, was, is it worth it? And I guess it just depends on if you have a garden or not. If you have a garden and you have some plants and buckets around all over the place, then chicken manure is really the best fertilizer. But there are two issues with chicken manure. One is the fact that it's too hot right out of the chicken. And I don't mean temperature-wise. I mean, it's so hot in nitrogen, it needs to temper a little bit before you use it on your plants or it'll burn them all. The second thing is that chickens can carry diseases that aren't so good for us. So if one of those chickens has salmonella and you take that fertilizer and you just put it directly on your plants, you can transmit the salmonella virus to your vegetables. Well, yeah, look at the outbreak of spinach the other year. And I mean, all the vegetables are getting salmonella now. So when Susie says it has to sit for a year, Part of that time is to let it temper a little bit so it's not so hot. The other part of it is so all the microorganisms die and you don't risk contaminating your food. Now, if you do the composting, it will go quicker, but you can go either way. But if you don't have a garden and you're not an avid gardener, then is it worth it? Uh, probably fat, not. no. <laughs> okay, so the next thing you mentioned is that you have two chickens that you found and that is an interesting way to get into chicken keeping. Like you're walking down the street through New York City and you're like, hey, I just found two chickens. I mean, that's <laughs> the first time I've ever heard that. Well, and it, okay. If I say that with a Southern accent, okay, it wouldn't phase you in the least. No. Yeah, it's coming back from the market and on the way home, I found these two chickens. I think I'm going to keep them. Well, yeah, totally normal. Doesn't phase you at all, does Absolutely. it? Absolutely. No. Now, do with a New York accent. Yeah, I was on my way back from the market and I found these two chickens. I think I'm going to raise them. <laughs> yeah. Now it's ridiculous. Something's a little wrong there. It just doesn't fit, does it? Sorry, Justin. I've never heard of anybody who got into keeping chickens because they found two. No, except Justin. Now we have. So you said you have two laying hens outside and you're raising up seven baby chicks inside. You mentioned you have two coops that are nine by three, which is 27 square feet of space each. You're the math genius. Well, I did it ahead of time. Oh, well. I used a calculator. <laughs> Great job being prepared. Uh, you didn't mention if they're there full time or do they kind of wander around your backyard. You said that the backyard's concrete. So I'm going to just guess that they're in the coop all the time. That's the only space they have. You may let them out once in a while, but I'm guessing that they aren't free ranging the concrete all day long. In that scenario, you need 10 square feet per full grown chicken which means you can have two and you're kind of at the borderline. So you could squeeze a third in there. Let's say you can have three in each coop. So at maximum, you would have room for six adult full-grown chickens between those two coops that you have right now. Now, you didn't say what the breed of the baby chicks are, but six hens of like any dual purpose breed 
should give you about 30 eggs a week. So even if your neighbors start complaining about the chicken smell. Throw eggs at them. No, give them oh, eggs. Oh, give them eggs. Yes, that's right. Great pacifier for neighbors. So lastly, you mentioned that one of your hens coughs mostly when it's nervous or drinking water. Um, General So, it's so funny. Every time I let him out, now he's got plenty of water in his coop, but you let him out and he runs over to the dog's little plastic swimming pool we have, jumps up on the edge and like sticks his head in the water, gets water all up his nose, all over his face, but he just like gulps that water because he just loves drinking it that way and then just starts coughing like crazy. So that kind of cough, wouldn't really worry about. Um, but people get really nervous when they hear a chicken cough and they instantly think it's something like an MG disease or there's tons of chicken ailments out there. Um, but it could be something as simple as you got water up his nose or it's dusty in the coop. Well, the part that makes me nervous is the fact that you found the chickens. You don't know their history. You didn't get them. You don't know where you got them from. You just found them. So that's the part that makes me a little nervous because you brought up MG. MG is the most common of all the chicken ailments, and it is very common in backyard flocks. Mm -hmm. Some states say that they have about 80, 85% of backyard flocks have MG. And that's just a huge number. So I think for me, I would just be concerned. Mm -hmm. Now, the chickens appear healthy. They're laying. They could have MG, and you're never going to know. They're just going to keep laying. They'll be fine. You're getting eggs. Who cares? Right. But the part that bothers me is you're raising up seven new baby chicks, mm. and they're in the house now, but they're going to join them soon. So let's say that those chicks are healthy, and your Australorps outside have MG or something else. When you take those seven healthy chicks, you put them outside, they are going to catch whatever the other ones have if they're in close proximity. And that's the part that would worry me in your scenario. Now, it is possible because these chicken diseases spread so easily. If the Australorps have something, which is a strong possibility, you may have already unknowingly passed it on to the baby chicks because what they say is uh, if you have a dirty flock and a clean flock, you don't wear the same clothes between them. You shower completely, wash your hair before you go from being around the birds that have a disease to the clean birds. So maybe you go out, you feed your Australorps, you scoop up some poop, you go back inside, you wash your hands, you still have the same clothes on, but then you hold your baby chicks. You know, it can be passed as simple as that. So we have a scenario here where you either have all your birds are clean and disease-free, your Australorps have something and your chicks don't, or all your birds have something. We just don't know. Right. And, uh, you know, it just, it depends how much do you want to pull at that thread. Personally, I might go get the Australorps tested. I might take them to the vet and just get a blood test done. It's a little pricey, but I might do it just for peace of mind. But the problem is with the baby chicks, I don't know what I would do if it came back positive. Would I get rid of the Australorps? Because if they're positive, I may have already transferred it to the baby chick. So I get rid of the Australorps, which are laying. I wait for five months for the chicks to start laying and find out they got it too. So yeah. I might just kind of ignore the whole situation and just say, as long as they're laying and they look happy and healthy, maybe I just kind of go with the flow. 
raise the baby chicks, put them out. And this sounds a little cruel, I guess, but that's probably the easiest way to do it. And then if, if worse comes to worse and somewhere down the road, you find out your whole flock has MG, you can decide what to do at that point. Eh, it's, it's a tough one. We really don't have many answers here for you. Just a whole lot of scary uh, what ifs. Uh, you know, you, you said there's no nasal discharge. So I think that's what that's what makes it for me. That doesn't mean they don't have MG. But I think because I don't see any of that, if it were me, what I would do is just just go on. Don't bring in any outside birds. You've got enough. Well, Justin, we're making a lot of assumptions, but uh, thanks for the email and hope we helped more than we scared you. Okay, for the main feature today, Susie and I are going to demonstrate an amazing flexibility of mind and intellect. Okay, good, because I was hoping you weren't going to say flexibility of body because I don't have any more flexibility. That I'm left broken. a long time yes. ago. We had a topic prepared to discuss on this episode and we're ready to go record it. But then something came to Susie's attention and with the speed of a podcasting ninja, Hi-ya. we switched gears to create a new topic. And we're not going to tell you what the old one was. You'll just have to wait and see for when we do it next week. Exactly. Um, there is this website that I came across uh, called change.org, which is sort of like a petition center and people can post a petition they want other people to consider and you can digitally sign the petition if you like it or you can post a rebuttal if you don't. One of those things I found through Facebook and, you know, as you're perusing from site to site. And Susie found something really interesting. I want to read you this petition. It's titled, Stop Selling One-Day-Old Chicks Shipped by Mail. And the creator of the petition is a woman named Rhonda. I'm not going to use her last name. And she explains, these are her words, A post on Facebook today had me livid, and I felt compelled to start a petition. Then she provides the Facebook post that made her so livid. The Facebook post itself was posted by an animal rescue in Massachusetts, and it read like this. Yesterday, I was at the post office and heard the familiar sound of newly hatched chicks. They were calling out from inside a pair of cardboard boxes on the counter. No mama. No food. No water. Yes, the shipping of live, day-old baby chicks is a booming business in the States. I noted that the boxes had a website address for mypetchicken.com. Here's what the company has to say about the ordeal the chicks go through. When you get them home, be prepared. One or two may have died in shipping or may be on their way out. Some chicks are born less hardy than others and can't withstand the stress and cold temperatures involved in transporting them around the country. Most hatcheries, in fact, prepare for that by including an extra bird or two for free. Care for the weak birds as best you can and bury the dead. The site goes on to warn parents not to open the boxes in front of their children because of the trauma of seeing dead and dying baby animals. It's quite hard to believe that this business is perfectly legal. All right, now, if you've used Facebook before, you all know that it's a wonderful place where people share differing ideas in the most friendly and respectful tone. Where people never jump to conclusions. And they take the time to learn both sides of an issue. And they aren't ruled by their emotions. No, logical thought always prevails. 
where people don't resort to lazy name calling and threats. Or sarcasm. Sarcasm? What's that? (laughs) So if that's the Facebook you know and love, you might be surprised when we suggest that Rhonda and the 71,000 people who've signed this petition are not exactly working with all the facts regarding how baby chicks are sent through the mail. And you can read through the comments people have made. I mean, I was just appalled how people jump on a bandwagon and really attack something they know nothing about. Like there was, Well, they have heard one side of the situation. I mean, well, that's know, all you need. They know one side. Right. Uh, one said, it's beyond comprehensible. Why would anyone have a business like that? And for me, that's a really good question. Why would someone start a business sending dead baby chicks through the mail? <laughs> hey, Martha, I got a really cool business idea. Yeah, what's that, Fred? Okay, you know how people like baby chicks? Oh, yeah. We put baby chicks in a box, and we send them through the post office, and here's the kicker. Some of them, they're going to be dead. What a great business idea, Fred. You're a thinker. We're going to make millions selling dead chicks. (laughs) I mean, maybe is it possible that there's more information here to look at? All right. Well, another person writes, as usual, my heart is heavy and sad at the cruelty people so casually inflict on others. Okay. Last one. Here's my favorite. This one is from Bridget in Niagara Falls. Bridget says, I called the company. I told those, and I'm going to take those cuss words out here. I told those people off. Here's a thought. How about we get some day old human babies together, put them in a box like the chicks and making sure to add a few extra in case the inevitable happens, and see how they like opening up that box. No different. Oh my gosh, Bridget. Please don't send day-old babies through the mail, believe it or not. It is not the same thing. So after that incredibly long and dramatic introduction, today we're discussing if it's cruel to send baby chicks through the mail. (laughs) You may have been raising chicks for a long time, or maybe you're just thinking about getting them. And you haven't started yet. But I think most people, when they first hear that hatcheries will send baby chicks through the mail, we all react with the same sort of, what? How is that possible? Right. I mean, it doesn't sound quite right. I mean, you can't mail order any other animals and have them shipped to you. Like sheep? You can't can't order sheep through the mail? I don't think I've ever heard any bang in the uh, post office. Puppy dogs? No. You can't ship a puppy dog. I, well, you can send them on an airplane to like. But you your can't Aunt put Nancy's. them in an envelope and send them through the mail. <laughs> you're telling me. You expect me to believe that? Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. What about sea monkeys? Now those are awesome. I know you can get sea monkeys because it was always on the back of every comic book. Yes, and some cereal boxes, which is weird. Really? Yes. Huh. So why can you send baby chicks through the mail? Aren't they starving for two days that they're being transported? Well, no. When a chick is developing in the egg, it's getting its nutrition from the yolk. And the yolk, of course, contains everything it needs nutrient-wise to develop for the whole three weeks. It's in the egg up until the time it hatches. And then when she does hatch, the last thing she does is pull whatever's left in that yolk sac into her little body. And there's enough nutrients there to keep her going strong for three days or more after hatching. And let's say uh, she was hatched under her mama hen instead of in an incubator. Uh, The mama hen does not 
get up after each one hatches and bring them over by the food and go, this is how you eat food and this is how you drink water. I mean, she's going to sit on the whole clutch of eggs for sometimes for up to like 48 hours until all the ones that are going to hatch actually hatch. And then she lets them all out from under her. And she has to do that because the instant she gets up with one of the chicks, she has now changed the humidity and temperature of all the rest of the eggs there. We run into this with the incubator. That last day is the most critical time in the development of that chick and whether it's going to make it out or not. It's not that, oh, if they can make it to two weeks, they're in the clear. That last day is really important. And if the humidity and temperature get changed too much, they just aren't going to hatch. They can get all the way to the finish line, but they aren't going to be able to cross it. So the hen has to sit on the chicks that hatch. The first one could be under there for two days Mm -hmm. and it's not getting water and it's not getting food. It has to have the nutrition inside to make it two, three days until the hen takes them all to go get a drink of water. And imagine this. God had a plan for that. And they suck up that rest of that yolk and they're just fine. So when chicks are hatched from a hatchery, they are like immediately sexed and then put into these specially designed boxes immediately. And then they're sent to your post office and they get to you in two days. So the idea that they're starving in a box with no food and water, is just preposterous. So when Rhonda says she can't believe they ship the chicks without their mama hen <laughs> and with no food and no water, she's only correct about not having a mama hen with them. They are carrying enough food and they're carrying enough water for three days right inside their little bodies. Well, and I, I wondered when I read this, like, why Rhonda thinks they should be shipped with their mama hen. <laughs> I mean, I think that'd be awesome, but I think it would like really increase the price. I'm trying to imagine like you get, you order some baby chicks and you open up the box and this angry hen comes flying <laughs> out at you. <laughs> and the only reason this works is because of that two to three days of food that they suck up. You have to get them into the box the day they hatch and get them in the mail. Well, I mean, this has already been thought through for decades of shipping through the mail decades they've been doing it since the 1800s well then i think we got it figured out i don't think somebody has a new idea now that it's somehow cruel but you know i i also wondered uh back to the whole mama hen thing like maybe she thinks that chicks nurse you know because there was obviously no research that went into this opinion it worries me that the animal rescue thinks that chickens nurse their young (laughs) they don't know enough about animals now listen if you're listening to this you go well i didn't know that well hopefully you're not running an animal rescue and you're not posting horrible like negative things about a company without doing any research online either you know just a little while ago we ordered 16 baby chicks from a hatchery and honestly i was wondering what sort of condition they're going to show up in because this is the very first time we'd ever ordered online and had baby chicks sent to us we've always gotten our chicks from local breeders, which personally I prefer. Oh, of course. And since it was our first time, I was really curious. What kind of condition are they going to be in when they show up? I had the feeder and the water all set up in the brooder. And I was just expecting to open up the box. and There'd be a bunch of emaciated little chicks in there starving and you throw them in the brooder and they all just start chowing down immediately. Yeah. (laughs) But when I opened the box, these were the biggest, chubbiest three-day-old chicks (laughs) I have ever seen. I did a count because I was worried maybe some of the baby chicks ate some of the other ones. <laughs> they were so big. I'm like, wait a minute. Nope, they were all there. Um, so let's talk about how they get through the mail. They aren't just dropped off in a manila envelope at the post office. What about a number 10 envelope? 
Now that's even smaller. Okay, what about a number 12 envelope? <laughs> there's no numbers because there's no envelopes. Are they individually bubble wrapped? Okay, people, do you hear what I have to deal with here <laughs> all the time? So I just find this amusing. I know. Back to the topic. The hatcheries develop these little boxes which have an appropriate amount of air holes and they're marked and labeled so that when the post office sees it, if they don't hear chirping, which they will from a mile away, they know not to kick them around or anything that they need to handle them with care. And they don't even deliver them to your house. You have to go pick them up at the post office. Yeah, they don't want them going through any trauma bouncing around in a, a postal delivery truck. You know, they or keep them. Or setting out in the snow or setting out in the sun. True. Or your dog eats them. <laughs> yeah, because we were worried like they were going to deliver them by our gate. And then what happens with every package that's delivered to our house? The dogs grab it and spread it across the yard. <laughs> but no, you they keep them in a nice air-conditioned uh, building around people and not like they get them out and play with them, but they're fine. Well, and if you've raised baby chicks before, you know that heat is really important. They can't get cold or they won't survive. They need that heat. And this is why most of the hatcheries have a minimum number of baby chicks that can be shipped. You think it's just because they want to sell a lot of chicks at one time, but really they have a reason. It's you need a certain number of baby chicks so that they can all have this collective body heat and when they're all together in the box, that keeps them all nice and warm. And during the summer months, uh, when we ordered our chicks, the minimum was actually a little less than if we were to ship them like in the middle of winter, um, where it's going to be a lot higher. The number you generally see is 25 as a minimum order. Mm -hmm. When we did it, the minimum was 15 because it was summer. And you'll see some hatcheries that say, we'll send you three baby chicks. Well, how do you get enough warmth for that? you're going to pay to add in a heat pack. And you're going to pay a lot. Yeah, you might as well just order 15 baby chicks. I know. And hand them out to your friends. <laughs> That's right. I mean, they've figured this thing out. They've been doing it, like Don said, since the 1800s. So what about chicks that do die during shipping? The hatchery admits this happens. I mean, it's not a secret. Once in a while, one's going to die during shipping. So isn't that proof that it's cruel? Well, let's take a look at that. First of all, the animal rescue makes it sound like every shipment contains dead chicks or that a large percentage of them die on the way. Right. And when we received ours, all of them were alive. They're all healthy, happy. They're all growing like little weeds. And the stories we've heard from other people that we know personally have never had a dead baby chick show up. They've all been very satisfied with, with their uh, delivery. And if you look on forums, sometimes people will post on there this question. They'll say, I'm thinking of ordering them online, but here's their dead chick policy. I'm worried about them not making it. What have, what experience have you all had? And people will respond. And you'll see most of the responses are order all the time, never had a dead chick. You'll see some people, you know, got one dead chick in a batch or, you know, but it's never a big number. It's no. always a very small percentage. Right. And, you know, you think of all the chicks that get shipped through the post office. You would think that if it's like some crazy number, like 30% of chicks arrive dead. I mean, you'd hear about that. Even if it was only like 10% died, I think that would be all over the place. Yeah, you'd hear about it. Oh, and things would have to change. The reality is it's a small, small, small percentage. But there are thousands and thousands and thousands of baby chicks that are shipped around the country every year. 
So when you play those odds, even a small percentage, you are going to have a bunch of little baby birds that unfortunately just don't make it. But if you've ever grown up on a farm, you know that there is a small number of animals that just don't make it. And sometimes it's not a small number. You know, mm-hmm. the, the animals that tend to have the biggest litters, there's a reason they have the biggest litters because a high percentage of them sometimes don't make it. And when any animal has a litter of babies, some won't survive. It doesn't matter if it's pigs, sheep, cows, even dogs, even Mm -hmm. cats, even bunny rabbits. It just happens. There's always going to be animals that are born not strong enough to make it. So if a baby chick's too weak to survive just being shipped, I I think it's going to probably be too weak to survive in your backyard anyway. Well, especially when you think of this way. The odds of you getting a dead baby chick in your shipment are many, 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 many times less than the chance that along the way, one of your chickens is going to develop an illness and not make it. Things will happen. Predators will happen. There's a much better chance that one of your chickens is going to be snatched by a predator over the course of several years than one of your baby chicks not making it. It's part of keeping animals. And it's sad. Um... We have never had, with our baby chicks, one that was so weak it didn't make it. But we've had ones that just weren't strong enough to cross the finish line and get out of the shell. Right. That's true. And it breaks your heart. If you care about animals at all, because we we probably sound pretty callous at this point. (laughs) But we're actually very tenderhearted when it comes to animals. We're not callous at all. Right. Susie gets very upset if one baby chick doesn't make it out of an egg. You know, if it starts to... Well, cause you can hear it chirping in there yeah. and it's trying to peck its way out, but something is wrong, something in its development. And you know, if you were to crack that shell open, it is a fully formed chick, Yeah. but if it can't get out of that shell and you try and break it open, it's going to die anyway. And, so yes, I hate that. And I will guarantee you that most of the decent hatcheries out there, I'm not saying all of them, but the most of the decent hatcheries out there. They're people that are more like us. You know why they sell baby chicks? Not because of the billions of dollars you could make selling baby (laughs) chicks, okay? They sell baby chicks because they really like chickens. They really like baby chicks. But there are people that are going to say that if like one baby chick dies, then it should be illegal. Okay. I don't have a problem you taking that view. But let's think sort of big picture here. Let's take a step back from that one baby chick and let's just think for a second If you said, let's make that illegal, and now you wipe out tens of thousands of backyard flocks because you can't get baby chicks, and you say, well, just get them locally. Well, we are a little microbreeder. I'm telling you right now, the local breeders cannot take up the slack of the big internet hatcheries. So many people get their chickens from the internet hatcheries. If you were to wipe that out, the local breeders cannot pick up that that order. So you would wipe out tens of thousands of backyard chickens all over the country. And once those people aren't getting their eggs from their backyard chickens, they're going to start getting their eggs from the store. Well, what does that look like for chickens? Well, I mean, you're looking at the horrors of a caged factory farm chicken. I mean, that's better. They've got an extremely short lifespan those chickens are only used for about a year, maybe two, and then... And then they retire them to a home, right? Oh, yes. They're sent to the farm. Well, they're already on a 
farm, sort of. Not a or real a wa- farm. warehouse. <laughs> no, I mean, they're destroyed. That's just, they live a horrible, miserable life, and then they're killed. And after these hens have spent one year in the factory farm, they look like the human equivalent of an 80-year-old chicken. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got hardly any feathers left. They're, they're really messed up because they have spent their entire life in a cage that's so overcrowded that they can't stretch their wings out. There's not enough space in there. We talked about last week how every hen has about the equivalent of a sheet of paper mm-hmm. of space. They're so overcrowded, they have to take the ends of their beaks off to keep them from pecking at each other because they keep getting on each other's nerves. Well, I mean, all the people that want to comment on these kind of things negatively about how cruel it is and how they want to firebomb the hatcheries and threaten all their employees. My first question would be, well, are you a vegan? Because if you eat eggs from the store, you are part of the problem of animal cruelty to chickens that you are so adamant against. And and you're complaining about baby chicks that are going to backyards of people that are going to probably pamper those chickens and they're going to have a wonderful life of free ranging and fresh air and happiness. So for each baby chick you save, you're going to have thousands that are kept in those little tiny cages in miserable, nasty, ugly conditions. Right. So that does not sound like a big win to me. Let me make this real world comparison. Okay. The Smithsonian estimates that wind farms kill between 140,000 and 325,000 birds every year. Let's just kind of shoot down the middle. Let's just say for a nice clean number, let's just say 200,000 birds a year, including protected species like the bald eagle. And remember that there are very few wind farms out there. So as we build more and more, those numbers are going to go up from 200,000 a year. And they're going to go up exponentially because the newest, most efficient windmills that they're building now, these aren't the same ones that they were building 10 years ago. You know, we've poured so much money into making these things better. The problem is the ones that are really efficient, they're taller and they're much more efficient killing machines too. They kill many more birds than the ones we were building 10 years ago, 15 years ago. So as these things proliferate, you're going to see many more than 200,000 birds killed every year. Well, with the potential to kill millions then per year once this gets going, is PETA calling for a ban of windmills? Uh, no, actually. They say they don't like it. Now, I'm not going to say they're happy with it. They're not happy with the fact that these birds are being killed. The way they look at it is there are ways to reduce the harm maybe. So let's look into that. But they say reduce the harm. They don't say let's look at ways to eliminate the harm because they know that's physically impossible. You can't keep the wind farms and make sure no single bird ever gets whacked by one of those big blades, right? Mm-hmm. So in other words, they've taken a big picture approach and they said it's so important for us to have clean energy that it's worth losing 200,000 birds a year. Next year and the year after it's worth losing 300,000 birds a year. The years after that 500,000 birds a year. Who knows how far that goes? That's their version of big picture thinking. And that's PETA. This is not, you know, they want to paint this picture of these heartless farmers who just, you know, my only desire when I get up in the morning is to kill something. That's not the case here. You're talking about PETA who says it's okay if you kill, you know, 50,000 bald eagles. It's okay because we got clean energy. Right. So let's think big picture about backyard chickens. 
Uh, here it is. By shipping baby chicks, okay, maybe 1% may die in transit, let's say, but the 99% that arrive and thrive are going to provide eggs so that fewer hens are kept in the disgusting factory farms. That's big picture thinking. That's big picture. Okay, so there's a few things I want to point out right here. As I said before, most of the chickens we have came from local breeders, and this is our preferred method of sourcing chicks. And when people ask us where the best place to get chicks is, we always say, look to your local breeder first. We really believe in the local breeder because we're one of them. (laughs) We're a tiny one, a very tiny one, and we don't desire to get bigger. We like being tiny. Right. But there are times when an internet hatchery makes more sense. I mean, we just ordered from an internet hatchery and we're a breeder, but we couldn't find New Hampshire Reds or Jersey Giants here. So we ordered a batch from the internet. Another point I want to make is that there are some other practices that the big hatcheries perform, which I'm not going to get into right now. They have some practices that, quite frankly, I don't care for. I understand why they do them intellectually, but personally, I don't care for those practices. Right. And not all hatcheries are created equal. I mean, just like any business, there's a few that are going to spring up for the wrong reasons. They're going to be careless about the way they conduct their business. That's just going to happen in business. So if you're going to order from an online hatchery, do your research. Don't just browse an online catalog and pick the one with the cutest pictures of little baby birds. Take the time to find out which ones have the best reputation. And that's easy to find out. I mean, people throw their opinion all over the internet and their experience, so it shouldn't be that hard. And make up your own mind. I mean, as far as we're concerned, we don't think there's anything cruel or immoral about sending baby chicks through the mail. If you've listened to all the sides of this debate, if you listen to the information we put forward here, if you listen to, you know, the other side, and you still think... You know what? I've heard everything and I get what you're saying, but I don't agree with the sending baby chicks to the mail. That's okay. We don't have a stake, honestly, because we don't send baby chicks through the mail. Right. <laughs> so we really don't have a personal stake in this, but we just think you should have all the information before you make a decision. And if you've if you've consumed that information, you make a decision, doesn't have to agree with us. We're okay right. with that. But just don't go on a hateful rant. Just be respectful about your opinions. That's all I have to say. Okay, well, as always, we thank you for listening. If you like the show, why don't you go over to iTunes and give us a nice little rating over there. Believe it or not, iTunes really values those ratings. Uh, Not just the ratings, but also comments. Mm -hmm. And so do we. The more of you go and give us nice ratings and give us nice reviews, it makes it a lot easier for more people to find us, which is a pretty cool thing. We want to make sure we can get the word out. Right. And as always, if you want to see the show notes, you can go to onlinechickenschool.com slash the number 22. That's all for today. Talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Online Chicken School podcast. Look for us on the web at onlinechickenschool.com.